Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, I have a very, very special show for you today. I don't know if you've seen it, but CNBC has a series called CNBC Make It. And one of their featured, I don't know what you would call it, guests, I guess, reached out to me. We're part of the same Facebook group. And he said, hey, would you like to do an interview? And I said, heck yeah. So let's welcome Todd Baldwin to the show. How are you doing, sir? Awesome. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. Hey, man, I, I just wanted to tell you, um, and, and again, folks, I will put a link to the description of that interview right at the top of the show notes. Uh, but real quick, you're 27 years old and seven-figure net worth, six figures in passive income from real estate, lots of good stuff. But there's a couple of things in that interview that I want to touch on. But before I hit you with questions, what do you want to tell the audience about yourself and your wife before we just jump in? Sure. Um, so real quick, I should clarify, since the interview came out, I have had a birthday. So technically, oh. I'm 28 now. Okay, so 28. It doesn't have the same ring of 27-year-old millionaire, but 28-year-old millionaire is still not bad. No, but no, I mean, my, my wife and I, for anyone out there that might have misconceptions about people with money or you know anything like that, we are very simple people. I'm a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy. I do not drive a Lamborghini. My wife and I actually, we still share one car, which happens to be a, an 11 year old Ford Focus. Yeah. Um, the house that I'm recording in right now is a duplex. We live in one half. We rent out the other. We're, we're just very chill. <laughs> you yeah. know, we're not, we're not stuck up. We don't even like fancy food. I'll, I'll take a burger and a beer and t-shirt and jeans over anything, any day, probably. That is awesome. So I want to dig into the interview because there's a couple of comments that really hit me. A couple of them because I could see myself with a similar story. And we're going to go from youngest to oldest as, as mm -hmm. I remember them. You talked about in the interview growing up modest means uh, and you talked about coming back. I believe it was from shoveling manure and you counted quarters. I think you said it was six bucks. Yes. And I mean, do you, can you still hold on to that feeling of, of being that child going, man, I've got six bucks. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that's when I started on this journey being 12 years old, came back from shoveling poop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally that was my job when I was 12. Uh, I got my first job when I was 12 shoveling manure and getting paid in change, pocket change. Yeah. And at the time it was the most money that I personally had ever had like to myself. Yeah. Um, and I looked myself in the mirror at 12 years old and I was like, I've got to make millions of dollars. And I've just been on that track ever since. Wow. So, so first off, I have a similar story. My story is, is counting nickels of all things, but I'm, I'm 20 years older than you. So I guess my nickels are your quarters, <laughs> right? It's inflation. called inflation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's interesting because you took a leap there that, that I didn't at a young age. And I want to talk about it. You related that, that six bucks and you saw it as, I want to be a millionaire. I've, I've got, I don't know. Did you, was it, I have to earn a million dollars or I have to be a millionaire? Cause that's a little bit different. Do you remember what the feeling was? It is different. Yeah. So obviously millionaire is, you know, net worth. It's very different than making a million dollars a year. What I told myself then is I want to make millions of dollars. Okay. Now um, I have, I've crossed the net worth of a million dollars, but I haven't 
actually made over a million in one year yet. So I'll probably hit that. If I keep going the way I'm going, probably by 30, I'm 28 now. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I just told myself millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, that that makes sense as a six-year-old, right? Not many six-year-olds are thinking net worth, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't think I even thought about net worth until I was at least a teenager, uh, probably late teen. So that, that's interesting. And again, um, I would tell you having a net worth of a million dollars, you crossed that at 25. Did I remember that from the video? I did, yeah. Man, that, uh, did you do anything special when you looked at the spreadsheet and realized it was a seven figures? Did you go out for a burger and beer or what'd you do? You know, what was funny is I actually only realized it because my bank told me. <laughs> so... I kid you not. I didn't even know I was there yet, um, which was wild. So I was going to my bank looking at getting a HELOC, which for anyone who may not know is just a home equity line of credit. I was looking to get that to put towards an apartment building. And um, my bank was going over all my assets, all my liabilities. And they're like, okay, perfect. So you're in our accredited investor column. And I was like, oh, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's for individuals with a net worth of a million dollars or more and an annual income of a minimum of uh, 250000 or more. Yeah. And I was like, say that net worth part again. <laughs> One more time, please. <laughs> yeah. So they, and then I, sure enough, I looked at everything and I, I knew I was close. It's not yeah. like I thought I had five bucks and all of a sudden it's a million. Like I thought I was right around like 900, 950. Sure. But no, the, the bank, my bank told me, you're, yeah, your net worth is 1.2 million according to all these documents that we have. Wow. And I'd be, I was like, Oh, that's, that's right. So then um, my wife and I on the side, which we can talk about if you like, we're secret shoppers, which means we get paid to go to restaurants. So yeah. to celebrate, we just went and got free Panda Express. <laughs> and we <laughs> shared large, the meal. And you shared <laughs> yeah, exactly. Living large. Oh, man, we're gonna get to the secret shop- shopper for sure. But I want to go <laughs> kind of in the age group. The next thing sure. I want to talk about is you're in college, you're talking about at least meeting your your girlfriend, girlfriend becomes wife, right? You're, yes. You've seen her, you want to go out with her. And I think you said you had to save up two months just to take her on that first date. That is correct. So I met this girl, incredible girl. I wanted to take her out on a date. And although I'm frugal, I wanted to take her out to a nice restaurant. And okay. I was pretty broke when I first got to college because I was paying my way through. I didn't really have, you know, like parents who could write the check. I was raised by a single mom. So I had just paid um, tuition and I just bought books. And um, literally I had, I remember it clearly, I had $4 left (laughs) in my bank. And so um, I had to save, yeah, a month and a half or two months before I actually had the funds to take her out on a date. When we got to the restaurant, she offered to pay and I wouldn't let her. And then she offered to pay for at least her half. And I still, I was like, hey, no, I asked you out, you know, I'm, I'm gonna take you out. And this might not be politically correct today, but I guess I'm kind of old school. Like if, if I ask a woman out, I'm paying for the date. You know, that's just, that's yeah. just who I am. And um, she, uh, she, for the second date, she offered that we go to Costco. And for the um, appetizers, we would get the free samples. And for the main course, we would go to the food court and get a slice of pizza and a hot dog. And for me, it was like, she didn't care that I was struggling. She just wanted to spend time with me. So that was awesome. Wow. Well, I want to mm-hmm. dig into that a little bit more because um, first off, you probably know this, but I want to say it for the audience, that relationship, that bond that you two have being frugal together is um, frankly a key to your success. Yes. One of the things that I noted from your interview is that you live on, what was, let me get, get the number, 1200 bucks is your monthly nut. <laughs> that <laughs> Pretty is much, yeah. 
That is amazing. Uh, yeah. So I, I, it wasn't in the interview. So I wanted to ask you, where does her frugality come from? Right. Did she sure. just naturally have that? Or I mean, that's, that's cool. So her parents are very disciplined. You know, they, they're very modest means, you know, like, um, type of parents that, you know, really never made over like 60 grand a year, but sort of quietly became millionaires over the course of their career. So, um, you know, they never bought new cars. They never went on crazy lavish vacations, but they paid off their house. They paid off two rental homes, um, just very budget conscious and are, you know, they're going to be fine in retirement. Um, actually he just retired. Uh, they just turned like 55 or 60, um, something like that, just retired. And, um, and they're going to be great, you know, through the retirement. And um, so that's where Angela's sort of conservative, you know, mindset came into about the budgeting. Uh Um, And for me, obviously, I grew up poor. So I was kind of on the other end of the spectrum where I just wanted to make a huge income Mm -hmm. and grow my net worth every year. So I'm pretty much the producer and she's the ones that help us uh, that helps us save. Yeah. And again, it's very clear. You guys talk about money, money, finances, investing. You talk, that is a dinner conversation. That's not abnormal. Is that fair? Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's this weird thing, which I'm sure you've seen in your career too, where people think it's rude to talk about money. And that is by design. I mean, that like, I, you know, I, I had a job where I was making six figures when I was 22 at a sales job. So it was really, really lucky for me, but I, you know, I I worked hard to get there. I won't say it was completely luck, but I was fortunate. And, um, you know, it's a sales job. So your name is on the leaderboard when you're doing well. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of people, you know, people that are higher than me kind of cautioned me that, Hey, you know, some people might know what you make and, you know, they didn't want me to know, or they didn't want other people to know that. And I found out it wasn't because of anything for me. It was because the company, didn't want to pay other people what they were paying me. And if other people knew about it, they would want it too. So this whole thing like, oh, it's rude to talk about money. I think it comes from somewhere at the top where if everyone at the bottom is talking about money, they're going to wonder why they're not paid as much. But yeah, as far as, you know, just open dinner conversations, we talk very openly about it. We talk very openly about our goals. And um, I think it's healthy. Oh, it's, without question, it's healthy. One of the things that I would I hope to impart because of this interview is, is young couples married or not need to talk about money more goals, expenses. Yeah. Um, frankly, one of the keys to your success again, is you were able to get married and have a monthly expense of 1200 bucks. It is not hard yeah. to be financially free when you only need 1200 bucks. It's just, right. Not, right? Well, and I think another thing too is um, it, it goes to show that you can kind of check your ego, right? So, I mean, as I mentioned, we live in a duplex. Um, we actually have, we currently have roommates in our half of the duplex. They are moving out the end of this month. We're not going to have roommates after July. Um, but what that meant for us is we live in this brand new duplex that we own. And not only do we live for free, we actually make like 1800 bucks a month for just for living here. So our house pays us to live because you know, we rent out the other half and we converted one of the garage into a studio. So we're getting paid to live for free. So you know, it's checking your ego at the door. Before we moved into this duplex, by the way, um, we lived with six roommates and uh, we shared one car, which we still share today, but we crossed the millionaire mark. We still had six roommates and still shared one car. So that's how we've done it. So real, real quick, when you were six roommates, were you married or not? So we got married um, after the fact. So yes. Yeah, so, so basically but my wife and I, we've been, 
Yeah. So we, we've been together since college, Okay. but um, pretty much what happened is we bought our first house together when we were just dating. We were just boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, wow. um, we got engaged very shortly after that. And um, we, we actually kept putting off our wedding so we could buy more real estate. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was pretty crazy because I mean, a wedding, you know, and, and again, we're frugal, um, yeah. but weddings cost money. And we were looking at for what we wanted to do for everything we wanted to have all and we were looking at about 30 grand for a wedding. Okay. And so every time we had 30 grand, we were like, well, let's just buy more real estate. <laughs> so we ended up buying um, like six houses, um, or sorry, we bought one house when we were just dating. We bought five houses we were, when we were engaged and then, um, or four or five houses when we were engaged and then we got married and then we were married when we bought this last duplex. Gotcha. Very cool. So one more thing I want to talk about before we get to being married and, and building this portfolio is uh, you've already touched on it, but it was important in my career. And it sounds like yours is one of your first jobs out of college was commission based. Yes. Basically work your tail off, get good at what you're doing, refine your craft, be the best mm -hmm. you can. Uh, and you can make, you can make some coin. Um, yep. You know, that, that was, that was a huge driver for me. Right. Cause at least in my career, right. Selling software, they have this thing called OTE on target earnings. Right. Yep. If you hit, if you hit goal, you make X. X was never interesting to me. Yeah. I wanted to know what X squared was. Right. Mm -hmm. And that drove me and I would work ungodly hours. I would take extra meetings. I would make, you know, you want a hundred calls. Great. I'll make 200. Right. It was yep. going, going extra. Um, how much of that was a driver for you in the beginning was just to, just again, for us, it was money, right? We both grew up with nothing. Just, mm -hmm. I wanted, I, you know, I, I needed, I, I was driving and, and you just worked harder than everybody else. Yeah. Um, well, I had a unique experience in that I actually had to work harder than everybody else for two reasons. One was I was the youngest person at the company. So I had a lot to prove. And two, I was a college dropout. So mm -hmm. I was coming to this business without a degree and yeah, I, I would work 17 hours a day when I first started. I was literally like, I would get into the office two hours before it opened. And then I would stay until after close working on my marketing and drip campaigns and perfecting cold calls. And um, I actually, at one point, um, there was a sales competition. And at the end of the competition, you got to choose which, which prize you won, basically. So I'll give you the example. There was a sales competition and whoever won the most sales in a given month was able to choose either a one-on-one -on -one sales coach or more money, like, like a bonus of money, like I don't 15 grand, something like that. And I opted for the one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I turned down a lump sum of money up front to perfect myself and to perfect my abilities. But um, I have no regrets on that because by the time I was, gosh, 24, just my base salary was 150 grand. And then I was making 40% commission on sales on top of that. So I was able to make a lot of money very quickly and it's, but be, it, because to your point, exactly, I was very disciplined and just very, you know, much a go getter in the early days and still am. Yeah. And again, I love the sales profession because again, there is a scoreboard. Uh, I don't know what it was for you, whether it was weekly or monthly or quarterly, but we had quarterly goals and they, and these, and there was a leaderboard and it yep. was published and it was known and it was celebrated and it happened every 90 days. And um, you either thrive or crumble in that environment. And I lived in it for more than 20 years and I enjoyed every minute of it because every day, whether you had a horrible quarter, which they happen, or you had a mm -hmm. blowout once in a lifetime, everybody's at zero day one. Yes. It's, I, 
it's sickening to say, but I love that because it's just another 90 days to go after it. Did you, did, was it monthly or quarterly for you? Um, so we, we had sales goals every month, okay. but our leaderboard was actually up every single day. Nice. So as the numbers changed on a day-to-day basis, the people at the top would change. And usually what would happen is like the top three or four people were always fighting for that number one spot. Okay. And so I was always in that top group, which was great. You know, I mean, uh, I think life would be really terrible as the salesperson on the bottom rung of the ladder. Like that would not be a fun position. Everybody knows it and you're not making money. Um, But yeah, being in the sales environment, um, I will say it's not for everyone, but holy cow, it. man, it, it, it makes you grow up real fast. I mean, it just, you got to go and you, it's sink or swim. Yeah. One of the things I just did a mentoring call yesterday with a 20 year old. And, and I wanted to ask you as a young man, um, they were asking me what, what they should look for at, out of college. That's what he was mm-hmm. asking me. And I was like, you know, I don't know if it's your personality. I'd never met him. Right. I've known him for like seven seconds. I'm like, if it's you, I'd go find a job with commission. I'd go mm-hmm. find a job. It's high pressure, sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Go find out what you're made of. I mean, worst case, you go back and live with mom and dad if you can't cut it and you want uh, something else. But go get a commission-based job so you can earn. You got to earn nine to five or seven to seven or whatever it is so you can save, right, and invest. You don't just roll out of college with you know money in the bank to go buy your first investment house. You got to earn money. And if you're yeah. going to go after it, you know, a commission job's a nice way to go, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I would agree with your first point that it completely depends on your personality. I mean, take my wife, for example. She is a hell of a lot smarter than I am as far as just like IQ. Those three degrees back there are all hers. They're definitely not mine. <laughs> um, but she would, she would, I think she would hate being in sales. I mean, oh, she, so she's an accountant, you know, she works with numbers and, and the, going and giving a presentation and, you know, trying to have a, a quote and all that stuff, it would probably terrify her. Yeah. Um, at the same token, I would be terrible at what she does. So um, it, it for sure is, you know, it, it depends on you. Make sure you're successful there. But yeah, for the folks that, you know, want to have a lot of money to invest, if you can get good at sales, even if you just do it for a short time, go work in sales for a couple of years, you know, you know, get to a six-figure income. And then when you go to buy real estate, when they see that six-figure income and the two-year history of your commissions, yeah. that'll be really good for lending purposes. Yeah, it's much easier to get a loan when you can show six figures at a young age, for sure. So oh, now yeah. that... Let's fast forward to that first uh, investment house. Uh, obviously, in the CNBC Make It series, it was very clear that house hacking has been a big part of your journey. Did it, mm-hmm. did it start that way? Was the first house you bought a house hack and then you've just grown from there? Or how'd that start? Absolutely. Yeah. So the first house we bought, again, we bought um, my, my wife now, but we just bought when we were dating. So it was a, a single family home. And we bought it together because we were going to rent an apartment in Seattle and huh. it was going to be like 2,700 bucks a month for a one bedroom, one bath. Wow. So we decided let's buy a place and the house we were able to build in South Seattle. It was far too much house for us. It was just us two. We don't have any pets. So we decided to rent out the extra bedrooms to my college buddies and we had it rented out in like a weekend and it allowed uh, me and my wife to live in a brand new house completely for free. The principal interest tax and insurance were completely paid for by our roommates. So that's how the first deal started. Now, did you luck into that or was that a purposeful decision? As far as getting the roommates, you mean? Yes. Like, hey, we're um, going to buy well, a bigger house. We're going to get roommates at the end of the day. Like on the loan app, did your loan app say we're going to rent out rooms or? No, not at all. Um, Because it was, I mean, we just bought it as a primary residence. It was for us to live there. So it wasn't a rental property at all. 
Um, but you know, par part of the way through it, after you know we'd already been approved and everything, we just decided, well, there's this is a three thousand square foot house. You know, we you know it's it's so big. <laughs> yeah. So we just decided to rent out the rooms. I'm I'm really glad we did. So. I mean, I had been wanting to get into real estate since I was 12, but this first deal, I think, was the the game changer and as far as what we saw was possible. Okay. And again, you were simply dating. So how long were you dating at this point? Oh, gosh. Um, so oh. We've, we've only been married two years, but we were engaged for two years. We've been together a total of nine. So we must have been dating for close to five years. Okay. So that's not like just dating a 90 days. You had... You would, you'd been together five years, right? So, oh yeah. 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 We, we met freshman year of college. That's how we met. Got and it. then uh, my wife had a year of grad school after that. And okay. that's, and then after that, we bought our first house together. So it, it had been like a good four or five years. Yeah. Committed relationship. Not just. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. That makes yes. me feel a little better. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> we're telling boyfriends and girlfriends to buy houses together now. That's, that's going to be a recipe for disaster. Yeah. No, hold <laughs> off. Make, make sure they're the Time one. Out. <laughs> Time out. Very, very cool. All right. So you roll into that. You got roommates. You're living for free. Mm -hmm. And at some point, I'm guessing it, it dawns on you that some is good, more is better. Is that kind of what happened? Exactly. So uh, for us, basically, and this, this kind of goes back to we were in such a blessed position that she was working for one of the largest accounting firms in the world. And I was making six figures. We were 23 at the time. Wow. And even we were like, these rental prices in Seattle are pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And we thought that if we don't want to pay for this, then people with lower incomes for sure don't want to pay for it. Yeah. So we decided we, the same builders that built our first house, they bought a lot right across the street from where we were living and we did a deal with them. So we bought a house from them nine months after our first property. And again, with the sole purpose of renting it out by the bedroom, mm -hmm. because if a studio in Seattle is, you know, 2000 bucks, a lot of people are much more inclined to spend 900, mm -hmm. especially when all utilities are included. Mm -hmm. So um, we, we bought that house and I think, maybe five, it took five days to get all six bedrooms completely leased out. Wow. Um, and then the cash flow on that was insane. We, we were collecting right around $6,000 per month and the mortgage was like 2,800 bucks. Wow. So that was at what age did that one happen? You were 23? So right? yeah, we definitely bought our first one at 23 and then our second one, or maybe we were 22. Gosh. <laughs> Young. <laughs> yeah, we were young. Yeah, it was some 23, 22 or 23 um, for sure when we bought our first one. And then the second one was nine months later. Got it. So where I was going with that is, is it, it's been five years, roughly five years since those yeah. purchases. Seattle has seen some appreciation in five years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So we, where, across where, are those our, where are those two seating, sitting? Like you bought them for five and there were seven or roughly? Yeah. So I actually, it's funny. So I recently started a YouTube channel about real estate investing. And the last video that I put out was about the appreciation over all six properties. Cool. So in total over like four and a half years, I've realized over 700 grand, just in appreciation, wow. but that was over six properties. So to answer your question, the first one we bought for 506,000, it's now worth, I believe 696,000. Right. And then the second one we bought for 525, it's now worth 747,000. There you go. What's that? 40% appreciation, right? Bought for five, worth seven, just rough math. Right. Well, and so here's what's crazy. You're going to love this. So on our first home, we did a first time home buyers program where we only put three and a half percent down. 
So our down payment on that first deal was 19,000. And wow. in two years, we realized $190,000 in equity. So turning <laughs> 19 grand into 190, what's that like a 960% return <laughs> something like that? It's, so um, that's it's hard, crazy. To, hard to do on the stock market. That's, that's hard to do. That's, it's that's hard awesome. to do. That's awesome. So um, again, house hacking has been important to you. There's, there's one comment you made right near the end of the video that you have a goal of getting to 6,000 apartments by the age of 60. Yes. Um, I know it's a very arbitrary no, number. Nice, <laughs> nice round numbers. I mean, yeah, I just wanted to get, how's the first 500 come together? I mean, where, where do you, where, is it just, you're going to have 6,000 house hack bedrooms? Is that like what you're doing? Or are you going to go into apartments? Do you have any idea? Into apartments, yeah. So the house hacking um, is absolutely wonderful, especially for cash flow um, appreciation too. But I, I think it's a really great first step. And honestly, if anyone's like worried about getting into real estate or think it's too big of a risk, house hacking is this beautiful thing where you have to have a place to live. So you might as well live for free. But um, the the tricky part is it's not, in my opinion, it's not as scalable as owning apartment buildings because sure. you're dealing with roommates and personalities. Mm -hmm. So you know, I can own 400 apartment units and hire a management company. It would be much harder to own 400 bedrooms where yes. people, you know, there's 400 roommates. Yeah. So um, the house hacking for me has worked as a phenomenal stepping stone to really realize a couple million bucks and then take that and then, you know, do whatever I want with that in the future, which will probably be apartment buildings. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things. First, I'd be remiss if I didn't rewind this and go, what is your YouTube channel so people can check you out? Oh, thank you. It's just my name. Very easy. It's just Todd Baldwin. Oh, there we go. Uh, and then, so I don't know if you've read my book yet, but something that's very similar to our stories is I started with houses. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, right, those appreciated just like you're in. And mm -hmm. I did 1031 exchanges into apartments, right? We went from eight single family homes to 80 units. So um, that's incredible. That and could, now I know, uh, and you can keep this or not keep it, but I know now you're making big money. I, I read up on you, man. <laughs> Aren't you making like six figures a month right now? Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, I, yeah, the only, the only thing I like to talk about on this channel, cause I don't want, I don't want to freak people out is I have successfully replaced two six figure incomes just as a buy and hold investor. Nothing, nothing fancy. We went from one house right. in, and we, we built a portfolio to almost 200 units. It took 15 years and um, it's certainly possible. It's, it's possible for everyone. If you, like we saw, earn, right? Commission-based, mm -hmm. sacrifice, live below mm -hmm. your means. Man, I was never at 1,200 bucks a month, but similar thing, right? Uh, and then you just, time's on your hand, right? You've talked about, what, 40% appreciation in five years. Just think about what would happen yeah, if you owned them for 20 years. Exactly. Well, and just, you know, in, we collected, so this was cool. So in December of 2019, because um, we have spreadsheets of all of our rental income, um, December 5th at 8.30 in the morning, we collected our one millionth dollar of rental income. Wow. And that was just over four years, you know, like it, it was, and that's just over four years, just with six single family properties. That's amazing. Um, right. And it's because we do it by the bedroom. So Absolutely, it's possible. Um, I'm not where you are at uh, yet, but I hope to be someday. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Let, let's be very clear about something. You are light years ahead of me. Um, I didn't even buy my first house until I was, my first rental house until I was 30. So mm, put that in. See, mind. kids, there's time. You got time, kids. <laughs> time, time. <laughs> yeah. 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 The other thing I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, because what lots of people watch this channel is, 
How was it house hacking being a married couple? Uh, I, I get a lot of single guys. You kind of get it, right? We're all just dirty, dirty yep. guys. Yep. But, you know, you're married. Your wife's there. Sometimes you're home. Sometimes you're not. I mean, was it ever a problem? You know, there, there are some things that come with living with a bunch of strangers that are either annoying or just, you know, you got to get used to. One thing that we made it so it was as easy as possible is we have a house cleaner come through every single house on a weekly basis. Gotcha. And she cleans from top to bottom. Um, so there's not a whole lot of mess. We also make sure to stock each and every house with toilet paper, paper towels, hand soap, dish soap. So that way, like if you're always, you know, buying the soap for your bathroom and your roommate's always using it and never refilling it, eventually it's going to annoy you. But right. yeah, there, there was a, a very interesting time, which, uh, I know you said you don't edit you. If you edit this out, that's fine. No, but, uh, it, I'm not editing nothing out. So, <laughs> all right, here we go. I won't cuss. Don't worry. But, um, I got in some trouble. Uh, one of my roommates, one of my guy roommates had a girlfriend over and let's just say she had some garments that got mixed in with my garments. <laughs> and when I put laundry away, my wife pulls out a pair of like red silky panties that definitely were not hers. And she's like, what are these? And I'm like, they're yours. And they were not. So I had to figure out and I had some splaining to do, but it all worked itself out. <laughs> Oh man, I could just imagine that look. That that's oh, ice yeah. cold. Woo. Yeah, not good. It not was good. a bad look. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, that's amazing. And again, you, again, I want to go back to the kind of some of the details in the video of CNBC make it'll be in the bottom of the description. You are still sharing a what was it a Ford Focus? Yes, sir. Come on, really? <laughs> that can't be true. It is true. Yeah. So we have one car. Uh, it's a Ford Focus. Um, it's 11 years old at this point or 10, 10 or 11 years old, something like that. 2009. Um, and so I could, I mean, it would be really fun for me to go out and buy a Lamborghini and it would probably help out my YouTube channel quite a bit. Dude, freaking go buy a Toyota or a Lexus and you'd be an upgrade. You don't even know. Go, you don't have to go Lambo. <clears throat> Well, so here's what I'm doing. Um, and this is going to maybe counteract my frugalness because I think the baddest car on the planet right now is the 2020 Tesla Roadster. No, that car's so gorgeous. It's amazing. I'm waiting for that to come out. Um, I'll probably, even after it comes out, I'll probably wait and get it for my 30th birthday. But I will be upgrading from my Ford Focus to the Tesla Roadster. And it's not because I want to floss on Instagram. It's because it's the fastest car in the world. In my opinion, it's the only supercar that makes any sort of sense because it's electronic. And although it's expensive, it's not nearly as expensive as a Lambo or a Ferrari or a Bugatti or anything like that. Well, there you go. Your 30th birthday present. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Do you have a color you're going for? I think I want to do white. Nice. A white yeah. Tesla Roadster with some, like maybe some red on the wheels. I don't know yet. We'll, we'll see. That's awesome. I bought my dream car. Uh, it's, a, it's a white Mercedes SL550. I think I was 41. Nice. Yeah, that was my dream car. I remember I was selling car stereos for commission at 19 when I saw my first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 22 years later, that was, that was a good day. I remember, I remember buying that. That was a good day. So, yeah. Um, I guess, I guess the next question just is, is where do you go from here? Do you, you're, you're obviously still working. Your wife still works. The big question I had watching your video is what happens when kids come along? Great question. So we're actually looking at probably um, starting a family in the next year or two. Okay. And so what I, what we would like to do is um, 
get a few more properties under our belt, probably move into bigger multifamily um, apartment sure. buildings that are just easier to manage. Sure. And um, at that point, not really having to rely on a job and not that, not that we rely on jobs now, right. um, but <clears throat> my wife didn't want to stop. She, my, my wife is a hard worker um, and she loves what she does and she has a lot of fulfillment from it. So we're trying to figure it out. Like, is she going to be bored if she, you know, if her life completely changes and she's not working at all. Yeah. So we're trying to figure that out. That'll be ultimately, it'll be her decision. The blessing is that if she wants to stop working and never work a day in her life again, we can do that. And we can yeah. do that today. Actually. So we'll kind of figure it out as it comes along. But um, for me, I wanted to be financially independent so that you know, I never have to miss my daughter's ballet recital or I never yeah. have to miss my son's little league game. I don't want to be stuck on some conference call, you know, and not be able to make the school play. So I don't need any of that, you know, I, so I'll, I'll be, I'll be ready to go and just be full on dad mode <laughs> as soon as the kids come and I'll still invest. Of course. Of course. Of course. That's the beauty about what you've picked up with real estate investing. It's, it's not like playing a professional sport or even being in commission-based sales. One thing I learned very early commission-based sales, you can only do it for so long. Before, mm -hmm. before that fuse being burnt on both, both ends can get you. So uh, I've been very impressed with you, Todd. Congratulations. You have an amazing story. People need to watch this a couple of times, see the CNBC thing. And again, what is your YouTube channel? Just my name, Todd Baldwin. And yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And you are the man. Thank you for having me on your show. All right, man. Have a wonderful day. You as well.